It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. We'll work on that one. As I said, having just been to my father-in-law's memorial service, I want to relate a lot of what was in that. It was a very good service. And the young woman who grew up with his sons, the Reverend Amy Venable, she offered this prayer. Eternal God, we praise you for the great company of all those who have finished their course in faith and now rest from their labor. We praise you for those dear to us whom we name in our hearts before you. Especially we praise you for Elden Powers whom you have graciously received into your presence. To all of these grant your peace. Let perpetual light shine upon them. And help us so to believe where we have not seen that your presence may lead us through our years and bring us at last with them into the joy of your home, not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, being able to come to you, sometimes in hard times, at memorial services, or when we remember the date that someone passed. Knowing with young children and with those who were grown and loved you, there with you is a comfort to us. Especially when we know where we are and we know we will be with you, which means we'll also be with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
So I want to take the four scriptures that they used for Eldon's funeral and kind of show them to you together. They really paint an amazing picture. Uh, and as is often the case, the first scripture in any funeral <laughs> is a psalm of comfort. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I wondered as we sat there, why does this psalm so comfort us? People get tremendous comfort from this psalm. I think it's easy. It's because it's our future. It's a promise. In this life, goodness and mercy will follow us. In the next life, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your love is not
we allow God to lead us to our eternal home. (laughs) Because we know that God orders all things. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. God orders our lives from the start of our life to its end. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. He orders our lives and the work that we do in this life. A time to kill and a time to heal. In how we interact with people from the simplest help to the greatest opposition. A time to break down and a time to build up. Sometimes you have to stop things (laughs) from continuing. Sometimes you need to help them along. And then, just all of life, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. This is our life. (laughs) This is what God orders. This is God orders all of life. We take time to contemplate this when we're in the house of mourning. And I hope today... Thank you. 
of mourning, it's wise to contemplate the most important thing in our lives, our faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel. And it goes on. More people, a number of people. The list of people goes on quite a while. From the first person, Abel, for whom anyone mourned. All the way down to Abraham and Sarah. They all received their commendation because they trusted God. And yet, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. These all died in faith. They knew they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They were seeking a homeland, a better country, a heavenly one, one that has its origin in the spiritual world. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And not just for them, for us also. I'd like to add to what was read at Eldon's service. It's a bit long, but I think you'll find it quite amazing. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, 
quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, who were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Consider first Jesus. Consider that ancient, vast cloud of witnesses. Consider the company of all those who have finished their course in faith and now rest from their labor. Our church here has had some great saints who now rest from their labor. Just in my time here, I can name quite a few. There's Lee Smith, Betty Kriegbaum, Arlene Odell, Ann Newhouse, Bob Fredenton, all of these quickly came to my mind. They all attended here. There were many others. Consider those dear to us whom we name in our hearts before you. Besides those we've already mentioned, for me it's my oldest brother, my mom and dad, and now Becky's mom and dad. Who has gone on before you that you name now in your heart? Consider these, but mostly consider Jesus. <laughs> the greatest one to pass through death before us. Consider Jesus, who spoke the amazing words contained in the last scripture that we will consider today, the last scripture read in Eldon's memorial service. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
in a moment of particularly clear and deeply insightful thought, Eldon wrote these words in the margin of his Bible next to this scripture. This is not a set of rules, but an eschatological promise, a promise of the future. Jesus wasn't saying, live this way to get these things. Live this way or else. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'll make these promises to you for your future. At some point, we, all who believe, will have the kingdom whose origins are in heaven. We who mourn now will be comforted. We will inherit a new earth, a brand new earth. The earth will be remade new, completely new. We will inherit that. Have you ever said to yourself, God, why can't you put things right? Why can't it be right? Why do these wrong things exist? I want right. Do you thirst after righteousness? You will be satisfied. That's the promise of the future. We will receive ultimate mercy. And so we will see God. Because we are children of God who will inherit also the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus gave us a great conclusion, if you will, the summary of these thoughts. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We will have the kingdom whose origins are in heaven. We will be comforted. We will inherit the new earth. Our thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. We will receive mercy. We will see God. Because we are children of God. Children who will inherit also the kingdom of heaven. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. The heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It's good to contemplate the passing, especially of those who believe. In fact, the sadness that grips our heart will eventually be a part of what makes us glad. Because there's something for us beyond death. <laughs> and, and it's possible that that great intervention of Christ <laughs> will happen before people come to the house of mourning for us. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, 
with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words, I'll say. Mourning, sadness, isn't the end. The funeral service isn't the end. Our sadness will be turned to gladness one day. That day when we meet the Lord in the air, uh, whether we have gone on before (laughs) or go in from life to life. And we will forever be with Him. Father, thank You so much. The promise of the future. And maybe the best place to contemplate it is when we are at our saddest. When we are mourning the loss of someone, the loss of something, whatever it is, that's the time. And if we are careful to consider, we will see your love most clearly. You will pour out your care for us in those times. And someday, one day, without fail, Gladness will flood our hearts and everything that was bad will be wiped away in a glorious future that you have promised to us. Thank you, Father. I thank you for the life of my father-in-law. He was imperfect, just like all of us, but he so desired to be with you and he deeply believed that you made him promises as you make us promises. We will be there. And I pray for Becky and her brothers Sam and Bob and all of that family as they struggle so much with what it means. Help them to see you as clearly as we can. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.